Hello, friends. It's Pastor Mark with Life in the Sun. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to the one who makes a difference. Worship is a powerful way to change our experience. We live in a world of stress, anxiety, maybe anger, but there is a way to get free by going to the one who has the victory. As we enter his presence, we enter a place far above our circumstances, above the stress, above the anxiety, a place where there's peace, protection, and a sense of well-being. This is our life in Christ. As Christians, we are overcomers in Christ, and victory is our portion. And yet, ironically, suffering is not an exception to the Christian life. Suffering is essential to the Christian life. It sounds like a contradiction, but it's actually something familiar to us. Allow me to illustrate in the story of someone who is special to many of us here at Life in the Sun. Many of you know Zarina. Zarina does the books at our church. She's been faithfully doing this for many years. And if you get to know Zarina, you will discover she is a peacemaker. That's her gift. That's her strength, and she plays an important role. Last year, we learned some very unfortunate news. Zarina had cancer. And this was by far the most difficult of circumstances. But Zarina was brave. And with the help of family and friends and the presence of God, she pressed on. Fast forward to today, the doctor removed the cancer cells and there were months of chemotherapy to become cancer-free. Zarina's story is similar to ours. The gospel is the story of millions of people around the globe being healed from cancer, a deadly cancer called sin. In the beginning chapters of Romans, Paul explains there is a disease, and he gives the diagnosis, we have cancer. This cancer is aggressive, it has spread through the whole body and it's deadly. The good news is that there is a cure. In Romans chapters three to five, Paul explains, you must receive a medicine, a medicine called the Holy Spirit. This medicine removes the cancer, the cancer of sin from the innermost part of our being. After this, you have to go through a series of chemotherapy treatments, also known as sanctification. It's a process of removing every last vestige of this cancer. This process of spiritual chemotherapy is actually quite painful and yet very good for you. It's a process of purification. In the final step, you actually feel like you're dying. But when you wake up, the cancer is gone, and you live forever in the presence of the one who healed you. This is a parable of the gospel. This is the message of Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome. Romans is the most comprehensive explanation of this amazing news as we continue our series, The Gospel Explained. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you've not left us alone to try and figure out how life works or how to make it better, but you've provided a way 
And Lord, you've recorded the principles to help us understand how to live it out. I pray, God, that your spirit would take the written word, impart it to our hearts, make it the living word, where we would become living examples of the new life that your word reveals. I pray, God, that your spirit would move in our hearts and minds, touch our hearts and change us. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we are in Romans chapter 8, and before we read it, uh, let's review a couple highlights in this series so far. Up to this point, the Apostle Paul has established two key points. There is a cancer, and there is a cure. The cancer is sin, and the cure is Jesus. The cancer is invasive, it's aggressive, and it's fatal, but the cure is guaranteed 100%. Of course, that's an oversimplification but it helps to take a complicated text and break it down in simplest terms. There are two important points to keep in mind. The first is found in Romans chapter three, verse 23, a verse that many of you are familiar with. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The term for sin in this verse in the original Greek was an archery term. In ancient times, professional archers would engage in long distance target practice. After making the shot, a partner would inspect the target, and if the archer missed the bullseye, the observer would yell out sin, which meant he had missed. Sin in this context means to miss the perfect mark of God's holiness. No one is perfect. The second important point is found in Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Paul says, our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. The old self and the body of sin are references to our sinful nature. But what does, but what does Paul mean when he says it's been done away with? Does that mean that our sinful nature no longer exists? If you do a word study of the original Greek, the word for this phrase, done away with, is kartageo, which also means to be rendered powerless. This means sin still exists, but it no longer has power over you. Therefore, we now have a choice. You can choose who your master will be. Satan is very sly, and he would like you to believe that the choice between the two masters is you or God. But Paul says that's not the way it is. The choice of masters is not between you and God. It's between sin and God. Think about that for a moment. The choice of masters is not between you and God. It's between sin and God. And if that's a new idea for you, try a little experiment. Try not to sin for a single day and see what happens. In reality, we are all influenced by something or someone. The real question is what or who are you going to be influenced by? It's like peer pressure. None of us are immune to peer pressure. We're all affected by it, but you can choose your peers. You also have the choice to be influenced by sin or to be influenced by God. To put it in terms of the Apostle Paul, you can be a slave of sin, or you can be a slave of God. 
the idea that you can be the master of your life just isn't true. When my kids were little, they said, Dad, we're going to stay up all night. I said, yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> well, you can imagine what happened. This is another way of saying to you, we're not really in control. Being our own master is not one of the choices. Remember what we learned about sin in Genesis chapter 3? Remember when God first described sin in the Bible? He described it as an active force. And if we don't consciously and actively resist sin by remembering our new identity and taking our place in Christ, sin will bully its way into our lives. But it doesn't have to be that way. And this is Paul's point in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. And that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Verse 10, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And Jesus, and just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Paul's statements in these short seven verses are rich, and they're packed with significance. Paul is saying, you have a new boss. The new boss is great. The old boss was bad. He used people. He didn't care about people. The benefits were terrible, and the company was literally going to hell. But the new boss is all about the people. He's got your back. He's interested in your future. He offers training to help everyone grow, and the benefits are amazing. The, the life insurance policy alone is out of this world. Until now, Paul has made a series of truth statements, but in the next two verses, he changes gears and he moves to application. In the previous verses, he explains the way life is and what God has done. But in the next two verses, Paul talks about what we will do. Here it is. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. I'd like you to take some time to think about these last two verses. I'll read them again, and then I'll ask a couple questions. And then we'll do something different because we have a unique situation. Some of you are in your home or in your car or wherever you are, 
So we have the opportunity to discuss, or if you're by yourself, you can process what Paul is saying. Let's read it again. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. As you read this passage, it's very similar to God's conversation with Cain in the Garden of Eden. The Lord said to Cain, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. In the Old Testament, Cain failed the test, but in the church age, we now have the power of the Holy Spirit to, to put to death the deeds of the sinful nature. So think about this. Do you feel that you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do? In other words, do you think you have a choice and explain why? I'll leave this question on the screen and I'd like you to consider how this is working in your life. We'll play some background music while you talk about it in groups of two or three, or if you're by yourself, perhaps you can write your thoughts on paper or on your phone. Go ahead and take three minutes, talk about it or write about it, and then I'll come back for another question.
welcome back. In this last verse, Paul says, If through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. And so here's the question. In what ways has the Spirit of God within you enabled you to put to death the deeds of the sinful nature? And share an example. And again, I'll leave the question on the screen while you talk about it in groups of two or three, or if you're by yourself again, go ahead and write your thoughts on paper or on your phone. We'll take three minutes to talk about it and then I'll be back. Welcome back. I hope that was helpful by taking some time to consider how God's message to us can make a difference. Let's pray. Our Father, 
We've been praying that you will enable us to pass every test. Thank you for your word and the truth of what you have done to set us free. I ask that you would enable us to take the message to heart and you cause it to grow deeply. I pray that we would not just hear a message, but that we would become the message in our words, in our actions, in our attitudes and the responses of our hearts by the power of your spirit in Jesus name. Amen. Well, this week, I encourage you to join a life group online, or if you're not already a part of a life group, just message us here and we'll get you connected. The life groups are where it's happening at Life in the Sun. Stay connected and we'll see you next time here on Facebook Live. Elevated, cause you make me move And I'm rising up with you